0: we go God bless you church it's so nice to be up here with you guys tonight uh, this this, uh, this morning um, it's an honor and it's a privilege to be here thank you pastor for this opportunity um, hello uh, blessings to our people watching online hi mom I, I saw you online and I know you're watching love you um, you know, being asked to uh, bring the word, um, I was talking to Abby uh, last week about getting more into the word and, and being more intentional. And um, given this opportunity, it made me realize um, how much importance the word is in there, how much things I've, uh, reminded of things that I, I knew, reminds me that it, it also brings new fresh anointing, fresh word, fresh understanding to the word. So I'm very appreciative to you. thank you so much. Um, I can speak on behalf of the other preachers uh, that over the summer. It's an honor to be up here. Um, today's reading, we're going to be reading out of uh, Matthew 5, chapter 6, is the fourth beatitude. You may be, you, uh, may be seated. Um, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you all the praise and I give you all the honor for uh, for this, Lord, uh, you are worthy of all praise and all honor, Lord. I thank you, Lord, actually, Lord, that the word you have given to me, Lord, may be a blessing to, to your people, Lord, has been a blessing to me, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Be with me, Lord. Amen. So, back in July, I was able to attend a, a Met game at City Field. It was one of those very raucous games. Um, it was against another team, I'm not going to name them, from this sacred altar. Um, so... The game was great going back and forth. The stadium is completely packed. It is absolutely crazy. The environment is absolutely nuts. The game going back and forth, the lead is going back and forth, and bottom of the ninth, that's have a man on second base. Now, I took this video not knowing I was gonna use it today. So let's play that video. I need some sound, Edwin. Second, Tony Marte comes up and hits a game-winning single, and the Mets win. Look how crazy the Mets fans are going. My my favorite favorite part of of the video is you're going to see the dejected Yankee fans with their faces walking out of the stadium. So, there they go. Thanks for coming. The, the, the soundtrack wasn't part of me, but it actually felt really well. Um, so the, yeah, Spotify's still going on there. Um, but during that, the chaos, I'm part of a group chat with a bunch of friends of mine. And a good friend of mine, um, another pastor, he says, um, how great would it be if we worshiped on Sundays that way? Now that's not my topic, but that's a very great sermon for another time, for next year, pastor. Um, but it also made me think, how awesome would it be if we were to hunger and thirst for God the way we hungered and thirsted for that wind that day? The title of my sermon today is Hungering for God's Righteousness. See, nutritionists say you are what you eat. Um, your appetite determines your diet. Our diet determines our intake, and our intake determines our health. You are what you eat applies in the spiritual realm as well. You know, Jesus challenged us to look at spiritual appetite in what the fourth beatitude says in Matthew 5, 5:6. Uh, in this simple sentence, Jesus tells us that our hunger determines our spiritual health in order to grasp its meaning. Let's explore three points. My first point of the day is the possibility of righteousness. If we want to understand the fourth beatitude, we need to know what Jesus meant by the term righteousness. It occurs seven times in Matthew's gospel, and a few times, uh, five times in the sermon of the Mount. We know it has something to do with being right and doing right, but that's about it. It's always helpful to look at other passages um, of the scripture that may shed light on what righteousness means. With that in mind, let's look at four uses of the word on the Sermon of the Mount. The first use of the word. Righteousness is a lifestyle that distinguishes us as true Christians and invites opposition from the world. Matthew 5, chapter 6 says, Jesus, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness. So, going back into studying the word like I mentioned before, if you take the fourth beatitude and the eighth beatitude and you put them together, We are to hunger and thirst after a kind of life that will cause some people to persecute us for our faith. So righteousness is a lifestyle that distinguishes us as true Christians, but also invites opposition from the world. Let's talk about opposition for a little bit. Now, we have all experienced, and if you have it, you will. But living a Christian life will bring trials and maybe suffering for the sake of the gospel. Talk to any missionary you know. You saw it in the 12 disciples. Paul and James saw this as character building. Peter's sword is having faith. But let's not get it twisted. Most most times it's our own wrong decision that causes suffering, not because of the gospel. Righteousness brings upon the lifestyle that distinguishes us as true believers and invites opposition from the world. Our second use of the word, righteousness starts in the heart and changes a person from the inside out. Matthew 5 verse 20 says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees that come up with a very religious system, you know, built around temples, I've been through the tenants and temples and involved rules and regulations and certain traditions. Um, I like to think of it as wearing cheap perfume that was splashed on to make yourself smell good. It's not really part of the problem, it's not really part of you, but it can't cover what's underneath. True righteousness starts in the heart and changes a person from the inside out. our third use of the word is and uh, Jesus said, "Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people, to be seen by them. Otherwise you will have no reward from the Father in heaven." That's in Matthew six, chapter one. The Pharisees, they loved to pray in public. They loved uh, to sacrifice things to win the praises of men. Um, their religion was ba- based on praise of men, but they still that thought that God would reward them. That's not the case. You know, it looked good, but there wasn't any substance there. By contrast, the true disciples seek righteousness that doesn't need to be seen by others, but only by God. Amen. I repeat it again. By contrast, true disciples seek a righteousness that does not need to be seen by others, but only by God. Our fourth uh, use of the word is one that we all know. But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be provided for you. Matthew 6:33. What is it that you're seeking? Fame? Fortune? Career advancements? A good salary, a, second fu- uh, a secure future, uh, retirement, a fulfillment of your dreams. You know, as good as those things may be, they aren't the most important things in life. We need to put God's kingdom and God's righteousness first. See, when you do that, you know, and you, and you, and you, when you do everything you will need will be given to you. Seeking righteousness means letting his word set the standard for your life. It means seeking that you, what you do is pleasing to him so we put these four passages together these four uses of the case we put in what does it say we are to hunger and thirst after a true christian lifestyle that changes us from the inside out so that we are no longer seeking the praise of men but god causes us god but causes us to seek god's approval above everything else i'll repeat that one more time a true christian lifestyle that changes us from the inside out so we no longer seek the praise of men but causes us to seek god's approval above everything else this kind of lifestyle is possible for everyone in fact jesus says it anyone who lives this way is blessed by god it sounds good so why don't we all live this way then it leads us to my second point the power of hunger and the people that jesus addressed you know, understood what it meant to be hungry and thirsty during that time few were prosperous or well off and more than likely at one time or another those listeners knew what it is to have hunger pains now they lived in poverty. They didn't have grocery stores or full refrigerators or clean running water. No, they may have gone days without food. Most of us have never known what true hunger but these people uh, dealt with. To us, hunger means you know, waiting that extra 10 minutes at the restaurant waiting for a table or for the preacher to finish his message so that you can go to McDonald's and get a large Sprite and some, uh, and some fries, but you just ate two hours ago. You know, it's, um, probably isn't finding something to eat It's the weight that we have to lose after eating all that, right? Jesus uses his metaphor of eating and drinking as a motivating power to live a righteous life. Let's make four observations for my second point. The first observation, you have to want it. No one can force you to eat. No one. Unless you have one grandmother when you come over to the house. It's a testimony that I've experienced it where you speak and you talk, no, I'm not good, I'm good. You leave the room for a couple seconds, come back later, you know, the full plate of food, five quarts meal waiting for you. Everybody knows the saying that you can't lead a horse to water, but you can make him drink. Now, granted, for most of us, it doesn't take a lot for us to eat. Like food, you want to live a righteous life. To hunger and to thirst means you have to have an intense desire, an all-consuming pursuit. It is as though you are parsed and nothing will stop you from getting to the water fountain to drink, or you're so hungry you pursue food at all costs. It's a desperate kind of hunger. In a different context, you'll see certain athletes who say that I'm hungry and thirsty. They're hungry and thirsty to achieve that next level, to make, to win, to win the championship. You know, it's a motivation for them. It's the same kind of passion drive that should motivate the believer to pursue righteousness. In Psalms 42, We see David longing after God. As a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before you, God? If we go ahead in Psalm 63, verse 1, it says, God, you are my God, I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you, my body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Hunger and thirst are intense desires. It's the same intensity that we need in seeking righteousness. Do you have or do we have that kind of desperation for a truly Christ lifestyle? Remind you, that will change us from the inside out to so no longer seeking praise of men but only God's approval above everything else. Can you say to Jesus, I not only want you but I need you and not only do I need you I must have you. Yeah. Our second observation from the second point is you need to take action. Appetites aren't filled until you do something about it. It's one thing I say I'm hungry and desire food. It's quite another to take the steps to satisfy that hunger and quench for your thirst. At some point, you have to go eat and drink. You know, appetite, losing appetite is a sign of illness. Physically, we know something is wrong. We have no desire to eat. The same is true spiritually. When we no longer hunger and thirst for time alone with God, reading the, reading the Bible, through prayer, through worship, or fail to get alarmed by the sinful condition of yourself or of this world, there is something spiritually sick within us. When we no longer take the appropriate action of developing and deepening a relationship with God, a warning light should come off. We need to go to the source. Who is the source? We need help. They need to, the, the The source is the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. No one will come to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for life of this world is my flesh. John chapter 6. When we are spiritually hungry, we need to come to the sports of spiritual life. Jesus himself says, our real hunger is for God. St. Augustine said, "Oh oh God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. We have an issue here, though. To fill this hunger and thirst, many people are going to the wrong places, the wrong desires, the wrong pleasures, the wrong possessions. They're thinking, you know, all I need to do is read the Bible, pray, worship, work in ministry when I feel like it. God says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for, which, for that which is not satisfied? Listen to me, and listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself with, the only, with only the finest. Many people today are looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. Trying to satisfy the cravings of their hearts uh, with the junk of the world or in the church or are spiritually malnourished. You need to come to Jesus, the source itself. You need to, find, you need to feed upon his balanced daily a daily diet of prayer and study of his word. You need to drink from his cup, his cup through life-giving worship. You need to feast on his love and grace, his forgiveness, and his power. Amen. Our third observation from our second point is we need to keep coming back for more. Now, if you notice my daughter Ava, the middle child, she is always walking around with a bottle of water, always thirsty. For some time, it concerned me and Abby. We went to go take her to the doctor and then had some tests run. The doctor says, no, there's nothing wrong with it. She just likes water and she's thirsty. But she kept on going back for more. To hunger and to thirst implies a continuous action. When we read the fourth beatitude, um, those who are filled are not those who have their hunger and thirst met, but those who are continually hungry and thirsty. A person doesn't stop hungering and thirsting for righteousness once he or she has crossed that line of faith. In a constant pursuit to live a, life, a righteous life is to yearn and be more and more like Christ. Are you hungering for righteousness? Is it a continual pursuit? Are you coming back for more? Hungering and thirsting for righteousness is, can be like a like narcotic. You become addicted to it. You need more. You keep coming back. Once you've encountered the living God, nothing else satisfies. You want more and more of him. John MacArthur says, if you claim a relationship with Christ, but you aren't hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you need to honestly question whether you know him. You need to keep coming back for more. Our fourth observation of point number two is, we need to eat the whole thing. You know, we as believers should not seek bits and pieces of righteousness. We seek all the righteousness of Christ, in their desire to be like him. When Jesus, what Jesus is not saying, give me a piece of bread, but rather give me the whole loaf. If you read Matthew 5, chapter 6, you could read it as, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for all righteousness. The Christian should never be satisfied because no matter how much righteousness he has, he doesn't have it all that's available to him. The person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness wants it all. They want all of God. We need to want all of God. Could that be the problem with too many Christians today? We want, um, we just want enough to God to appease us, not to change us. We want um, enough to land to put us in good standing with Him, but not enough, enough to bring unrighteousness. That kind of change would drastically. That kind of seeking would drastically change our lives. As long as it's a slight change, we're okay. Anything more, and we're uncomfortable. Our third point of the morning is. In the final part of the verse, God says, "The promises from God says they will be filled with what? Food? Money? No. Nope. Long life? Promotion? Happiness? A perfect family? A trouble-free life? No. Then what? Then you will be filled with righteousness. If you want righteousness, you can have it. If you truly want." A Christian lifestyle that changes us from the inside out so that we no longer seek the praises of men but seek God's approval above everything else. You can have it. Most of us are as close to God as we want to be. That's the truth. We have as much joy as we want, as much peace as we want. For the most part, you are where you are right now because that's where you want to be. If you were hungry for something better than God, you could have it. If you want it, you can have a close walk with God. If you want it, you can have a better marriage. If you want to, you can do God's will. If you want to, you can grow spiritually. If you want to, you can become a man or woman of God. If you want to, you can deeply you can change deeply your ingrained habits. If you want to, you can break patterns of behavior that are detrimental to your life. When you are hunger, when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, what you want from God means anything more in the world. You can have it. And our second point, our last, uh, our second and uh, our final point, and ask the team to get ready, is you will be filled with Jesus himself. Amen. Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. Jesus' appeal is personal. He never says, come and join the church or come and be baptized. He simply says, come unto me. When he says that, you will be filled He means you will be filled with Jesus himself. If you are hungry, come and eat the bread of life. If you are thirsty, come and drink of the water of life. If you are weary and heaven laden, come and find rest. If you are guilty, come and be forgiven. If you are far from God, you can come back home again. The French philosopher Pascal said, There is a god shaped vacuum inside every human heart. Since nature abhors a vacuum, if we don't fill it with God, we fill it with something else. Some of us have filled our hearts with junk food of the world. No wonder we are so unhappy. We have full stomachs and empty hearts. It's a wonder why we stay where we are. We're trapped in the pit of a thousand lives. We'd rather live in misery than give it all and risk it all on Jesus. St. Augustine said, um, explain both the problem and the solution. here. He says, Oh God, you have made for yourself our hearts and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. You will never be happy until God put, until you put God first in your life. And you can never do that until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ once and for all. But the good news is that in the kingdom of God, everything begins with a seeking heart. Salvation begins with a hungry heart. If you are tired of this life that you have been living, You can make a new start. Whatever you want in the spiritual realm, you can have it if you want it badly enough. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? You can be filled. This is the promise of God to hungry hearts and thirsty souls. If you are hungry for his righteousness, church, if you are hungry and thirsty for his love, if you are hungry and thirsty for his peace, as the team sings this new song, the altar is open. Our pastors are here to pray, for you seek his righteousness, hunger for God's righteousness, and all will be well. Be blessed, church. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.